Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series on the Apostle Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. Today, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 31. And now, here's Phil. We are continuing our series in the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He had written a letter known as the Lost Letter to the Church, and the leaders of the church wrote a letter in return, where they outlined a number of concerns and challenges they were having, and asked Paul to assist them. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul responds to their concerns. In our introduction to this book, We noted the structure of Paul's answer to their questions where he begins some sections of his letter with the paragraph header, Now Concerning. This morning and for the next several weeks, Paul begins this section with Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. The next Now Concerning will begin in chapter 15, dealing with the resurrection. Spiritual Gifts spans three chapters of his letter with the themes listed uh, beside our chapter's breakdown in this morning. We are looking at the body of Christ at work. I really don't know how the Lord wants me to serve him today. I don't really feel like we know how to live for him and serve him together. That was the context of what was brought before Paul for his assistance. As we listen in on how Paul sought to help them, we too will be helped since we often through our Christian life think and feel the same as they did. As we move through this chapter, we need to try and understand what was before Paul by way of specific questions and clarifications in the letter that was sent to him, and what also may have been added to by the group that visited him in Ephesus. The unfortunate part is that he didn't elaborate on what all was asked of him under the header of now concerning. So I have tried to infer what their detailed questions were and draw some conclusions of where they were by the content of what Paul wrote. So the first problem that he is working with from verse 1 could be this. We don't understand what the spiritual gifts are about. At least there was an admitted lack of understanding as Paul worded his start to the topic. I don't want you to be ignorant on this subject. We immediately see that this is not going to be a short section. We can expect some elaboration from what he was asked. And I am sure I too will be criticized for going way beyond what I was asked by the end of my talk. Interestingly, Paul does not start with a definition of spiritual gifts, but rather he gently seeks to lead them out of their pagan background. He helps them recognize that this is a subject that they are not to bring anything forward from their past into their present, as he seeks to let them know that this subject is totally different than any touch points of the spiritual they might have had from the past and want to bring forward. So the underlying problem statement number two in their words, we don't know who to listen to in this area. There seem to be some influences in particular from two different influencers from their past. The Holy Spirit never inspires a deprecation of who Jesus is, including this extreme position that they are being urged to curse their newfound Savior. And and along another aspect of knowing who to listen to and examining whether someone claiming to be speaking by the Spirit is to be perspective, perceptive of their genuine commitment and clear statement of belief that Jesus is Lord. 
The first principle then that Paul lays down for them in judging those claiming to be in the Spirit is for each one serving to be in the Spirit and also to be in the Spirit uh, when uh, they are observing others who are speaking or serving. Be influenced by God's Spirit. Let's read together verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The third problem statement that we can almost hear in the letter is built on the previous problem. We don't know how to judge someone in our midst as to whether they are speaking for God or not. If it appears to us that they are, how are we to really understand how to value these gifts as being from the Lord? Paul builds the important principle for how God works within the body of Christ. It is so important to value the manifestations that God wants to display of himself. When God is truly in this place, there will be two manifestations obvious. Diversity through all and unity by all. Paul starts this section by saying there are three different kinds of gifts. All are by the same spirit. There are different kinds of service. There is only one Lord. And there are different kinds of working. But it is the same God who works in all men. So the principle of when God is in the house manifesting himself, there will be the presentation of diversity and the accompanying unity by those serving him truly in his name. Here we sense in the letter the question of which ones of these former pagans can receive these gifts and when will God give them? Let's read verses 7 and 11 uh, from our text. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And from Ephesians 4 and verse 7, but to each one of us, in 1 Peter 4 and 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve, and so on. To reinforce that these gifts are for everyone in the body of Christ, he references these verses from Paul and Peter as well. This is so significant. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Being in the body of Christ is where the few, where the few, where all perform, and not just some perform and the majority watch. The Spirit of God wants to be manifested in each and everyone in the body. You can hear the response as they read this and hear it. Wow! My wife has only been a Christian for a year, and I just committed myself to Jesus a couple of months ago. And this includes us. So when were those gifts given? Although Paul does not say this just in those words, it is clear from the context and the simple inference that every Christian is gifted by God when they become a Christian. It is a simple inference from the following logic. Premise 1. Paul says in verses 11 to 14 that each one in the body has been given a spiritual gift and more. The second premise, people become members of the body of Christ at salvation when they accepted Jesus as Savior. And the conclusion, therefore, each one in the body received their gift or gifts of the Spirit at the time of their conversion. Third principle, every Christian has been gifted by God's Spirit to serve in unique, diverse, and empowered ways, and this process and the activity of God begins 
at salvation. The letter continues with the next assumed problem we're calling number five. We don't know how they are distributed. How did they come to us? Let's read our verses together from verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I've included as well for reference Ephesians chapter 4 on spiritual gifts. And uh, it says, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Psalm 68 is quoted by Paul in Ephesians 4 and is a a wonderful study of the picture of the victorious Savior and King visiting the planet to bring people to himself and blessing them with all spiritual blessings. God, our sovereign Lord and Savior, distributes them via the Spirit of God according to his power and his choice for his purposes. Spiritual gifts are sovereignly given by our risen Lord, by by the Spirit of God, to each and every one in the body of Christ. Let's just pause and absorb some implications and applications of what this means and doesn't mean to his church today. First, what does it mean? Gifts are given by his choice. They are further developed for his purposes. They are often interleaved with natural talent. And they are are additional Uh, Things that God may do and gift as new needs lie ahead and he is the sovereign God and continues to work in our lives in whatever way he chooses. We also want to note what his distribution is not. Gifts are not distributed by gender, by male or female, not by a position or status or authority, but by his purposes. Uh, They are not distributed by the desiring of the show gifts. They're not distributed by the pressure of a church leader on what we ought to have or not have in Christ in that, in that regard. They're not based on achievement. Uh, so those are some of the implications, and we can list many others as we uh, carry on with these topics. Just in case there is any doubt about the church's understanding of the purpose of spiritual gifts, three times at least in the chapter, Paul ensures that within the divisions and problems there, they have lost sight of the purposes of God for them individually and corporately. We don't know the purpose of those gifts was the problem that Paul was working on. And he reminds them of several things in these verses. Each and every spiritual gift is given for the common good. The Lord has determined that every member of the body is to be focused on the Lord's work of unity in the body and his purposes in gifting. And third, expanding the common good of verse 7. I think we can be sure that Paul would have told them the same as he did at the Church of Ephesus, that more specifically the purposes of spiritual gifts uh, is to prepare God's people for the work of service, a work not complete until we all reach unity in the faith and maturity in Christ. What's the purpose of these gifts? 
Paul answers their need. The gifts are given for the common good, for the building up of the body of Christ in local churches and church and the church universal in, in Christ around the world. Clearly, Paul goes on in some detail to answer their problem that they really don't know what the gifts look like. He spends a great deal of time on, on this matter and clarification. It is intriguing that so far Paul has not written to them a summary definition of what a spiritual gift is. It seems obvious that the list he provides of what the spiritual gifts are intended to provide that, def- that definition by the examples in his lists. The Apostle Paul appears to be answering their question in the remainder of the chapter, what do these spiritual gifts look like? Let's begin with a summary of what the Corinthians church could conclude with what he has written so far. A definition. Our risen Lord's endowment of a special ability and power for service upon each member of the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. We're going to use this definition it, it itself is uninspired, but hopefully a reasonable summary of what we have been learning uh, this far. And I think it's robust uh, uh, as we continue as well. In the world of the spiritual, a few generalizations of how scripture structures the relationship of several related important aspects of our, our Christian life is, is uh, useful. Every Christian is in the ministry. We've said that. Generally, each has been given personal talents, competencies, skills, experiences, and situations for God's use. Generally, every Christian has the indwelling spirit of God, and bearing fruit is the external witness of being truly his. In the area of spiritual gifts, specifically, every Christian has has been gifted by spiritual gifts added to his or her natural gifts from God to uniquely serve him for the common good of his body. In the next slides, I am borrowing from 1 Corinthians 13, which outlines the prime importance of the love of God in every aspect of our Christian walk. I have placed love at the top of each of the lists in red as a reminder to us all. In biblical language, love is the fruit of the Spirit, enlisted first in Galatians 5.22, where the fruits are listed there. Let us be reminded that the love of God is fundamental to any work for the Lord in his body to meet his purpose uh, of the common good. Note the ones repeated from the first list in the the chapter in color and the second list uh, that will be repeated. Uh, Those are the gifts that we'll comment on in the next list. Understanding why Paul chose the items listed is most instructive. Although he does not outline why, why these, it is clear that he is making several important points. His first emphasis is simple and clear. There is a wide diversity of gifts. There was apparently interest by some in the church for the public and dramatic gifts, which at one level these gifts are about. Clearly, Paul is saying that there is not just one or a few gifts that represent the manifestation of the Spirit in the church. There are many. Borrowing from chapter 14, there was an emphasis on tongues as a priority, and Paul is laying the foundation here that that is not the case. Diversity is what will be found uh, where God is in the body of Christ. Again, notice the ones repeated from the first list in the chapter uh, in color. We will return to the verses in between the two lists shortly, but let's read 
uh, our verses here together. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, and then workers of miracles. Also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? And the answer in all of these cases is uh, no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. Diversity is what God intended uh, for his people within his body. The second list again makes the point that there is the emphasis of this diversity. Each of you is a part of the body and all of you are gifted. They're all equally important in the manifestation of the Spirit. Clearly, Paul does present a grouping of the gifts. The first group of four listed as first, second, third, and then raises the question why. It seems that they are listed in foundational sequence in the phasing of the important work of Christ building his church. This is to rebut any notion that undermines the neglect of these foundational gifts and the people are so gifted to serve as God intended. For your reference, here is a, here is a, a li- listings of the various gifts on one sheet, and the, again colored to show the repeated gifts. One comment is that Peter is really not listing gifts as as uh, as a whole, with the exception perhaps of the addition of the gift of hospitality. He's referring to the gifts through one functional lens of public, contrasted from the less obvious gifts of serving. In, in practice, and remembering that love is foundational for the use of each and every gift. We have been looking at the spiritual gifts in a somewhat discreet and granular way, but our Sovereign Lord weaves into his people a tapestry that is of his choosing for his purposes. There are additional mentions of, in Scripture of some gifts that could be in addition to the specific list, and I believe that that's the case. Many have a variety of gifts with different with different degrees of strength in each one as God enables. And the Lord weaves into his people whose gifts vary according to match personalities, talents, and character, and situation, and so on. Possible additions to the spiritual gifts are here listed, uh, some of them perhaps more. Celibacy, martyrdom, missionaries, voluntary poverty, creative support, and... uh, and perhaps others, uh, for you to study on your own. It is not our purpose this morning to work through the scriptures and determine the definitions of the spiritual gifts by the way of their examples of those with their use in particular chapters and situations. What I am providing in these definitions is my sense from my studies over the years of what they would have meant to the early church and how we are to understand them today. We note We need to note that those meanings can be quite different from the common usage of the word then, and even more so what the word can mean today used again uh, in our Christian walk. Let's take the example of wisdom. Uh, The definition that I have uh, given is to understand and apply the whole system of truth revealed by God. That is not exactly the way we would use the word wisdom today. If we look at what has been said about wisdom in this particular chapter, or in this particular book, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 12, uh, we have, uh, we get this idea of what wisdom is uh, being referred to in this spiritual gift. 
We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before the time be, before time began. Verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. That frames the dimensions of wisdom that was in mind in this book. As we apply it today, the same principles need to be seen in that gift and its practice uh, uh, today. Let's look at another example, uh, the, the gift of apostleship. The definition that I have reads this way. Eyewitness of the resurrection, receiver of direct revelation, and speaks and writes under the authority granted to him. That is the specific meaning in this chapter, I believe, and in most usage in the New Testament, but there is also a secondary use in Scripture that needs to be recognized. Uh, it is referred to uh, some in a more general sense who didn't qualify under the, that complete definition, but they were seen as being those who were sent by God uh, for a particular mission. Um, and mostly the foundation is the gift that is in view in Corinthians and sometimes used to describe others who are doing similar work later on. Uh, teaching is another example. The definition, as being said here, is making clear to others the truth of God from the apostles and from Scripture. Teaching is, is one of those that easily spans from then to now. The basis is different. Then it was the teaching of the apostles. Then it was the teaching of those taught by the apostles. And then later... Uh, by those studying, uh, learning from the canon of Scripture as uh, guided by the Spirit, which is the way we would look at this gift uh, today uh, as, one, uh, as one or two examples. Uh, I've included some of the repeated definitions and some added from Romans chapter 12 for your reference and also from Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, I would just like to highlight the, the evangelism gift. The definition here is to understand and present the gospel with persuasive clarity and to equip other, others with the same passion to see others come to Christ. So we have the, uh, we are all as Christians to be evangelists and sharing our faith to others. The one who is particularly gifted in that area by God is a gift not only to be an evangelist, but we know here it is for the common good. It is to understand and present the gospel. It is also to equip others with that same passion and skill to see others come uh, come to Christ. Another one to highlight briefly is the gift that is often seen as a is a dual gift, uh, teaching listed separately and pastor added here, uh, where it is a combined gift of being uh, one who is able to shepherd and feed and nourish the people of God. And I really like that uh, uh, addition of pastor and teacher being a, a collective uh, gift. Uh, you can look at them separately as well to be sure, but it's uh, a one good way to look at the uh, qualifications of those who lead, teach, and shepherd. In uh, the list of Peter, we've already covered that, showing the the lens of speaking gifts, one who speaks the very words of God and serving, one who is serving under the strength that God provides, and hospitality listed uh, separately, as we've seen before. In describing and understanding the gifts further, I've included some additional dimensions to consider. 
First, sticking to biblical language at the beginning of our studies and words is an important place to start. Example of the baptism of the Spirit we've already covered. Every Christian is baptized into the body of Christ at conversion, evidenced by the diversity of the gifts of the Spirit, not one gift that is a sign of some second event of spiritual progression in the life of the Christian. Neither is the baptism of the Spirit to be confused with the filling of the Spirit, which is an ongoing process of sanctification, beginning at conversion and continuing to maturity in Christ, from Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and 5. Tongues is another example where in Scripture, starting from the book of Acts for the church, uh, the gift was the speaking in an unknown language that was understood by the hearers in their, in their own language and dialect. The practice of ecstatic utterances and the language of angels and so on needs a lot more discussion and is not within the scope of this morning's message. Another dimension is the dimension of nature. We've looked at it briefly, the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. A third dimension is sphere. Uh, some gifts are given to the local church. Some gifts are given to the invisible body of Christ on a broader basis, that of apostle or prophet. Wisdom and knowledge and some of those kinds of gifts teachers as well uh, in terms of uh, sphere. It's important to uh, recognize uh, that giftedness within those two dimensions. Also, a dimension is the, uh, the matter of function. What are they doing? And I've tried to include that in the definitions. One of the helpful things from, again, from Ephesians is uh, one of the functions of the gifts is to prepare the saints within the body in two different ways, repairing, mending broken nets, and preparing, making ready a vessel for the journey. Two powerful metaphors for the people of that age to see what the, the gifts uh, are, uh, the twofold aspects of those gifts are. Uh, second function is God confirms the messenger and the message in signs, wonders, and miracles gifts. And uh, we need to look at those in their foundational sense as a starting place at least. Uh, third is, again, foundational gifts of apostles, of prophets, and we might look at some of the others in the same way, that they were very much a part of the, of the initiation of the church and took on maybe secondary meetings uh, later on in the history of the, of the local church, uh, and le some legitimately and some not so legitimately. There are primary and secondary meaning usage given in Scripture, examples of apostle reference to Barnabas as as a secondary uh, use of that term. Prophet seems to be another one that is uh, 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 goes beyond the prophets speaking the words from God at the beginning of the uh, local church and later uh, God speaking through individual people directly, uh, giving them uh, insight, inspiration, and messages uh, from himself to others. Uh, seems to be certainly an ongoing secondary use of the term prophet, slightly different from the foundation uh, of the time. So hopefully that helps a little bit of our thinking about uh, primary and secondary meanings. And, the, and following into that is the question of duration. Um, we know that there are many who look at uh, full gospel means full use of all gifts today. And, and I think that that needs some qualification, as we've already outlined. Uh, to do this study, and we can't do it totally this morning, but uh, a duration of spiritual individual spiritual gifts in, within the list need to take care of synthesis of all relevant references, need to start with the biblical definitions of each gift, 
need to address the foundational aspects versus ongoing aspects, and need to recognize that some were confirmations by God of the messengers and their message. Let me just outline from Hebrews chapter 2 one example of something that needs to be included in that thinking. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with the signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Those kind of verses need to be considered as we look at the duration of spiritual gifts. In particular, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we need to recognize that Paul is speaking uh, uh, in the context of the, his view of the imminent return of Christ. And, uh, and he was not looking at, he may say some things along that line, but he was looking for the return of the Lord within his generation and was not contemplating in the way he wrote about uh, time frames uh, beyond that uh, short time period. Um, now we return to the latter part of the chapter. Paul now makes this very personal and practical and forms the heart of the last problem the Christians were facing. Paul reminds them that every member of the body of Christ is equally important to him. And the Christians there were all in need of changing their valuation of themselves and others in the body. He begins with, all are baptized by one spirit into one body. Some in the church, though, were undervaluing who they were in Christ. Uh, and they would be thinking, well, I'm not needed. I am not as important as that person. I do not belong. And Paul corrected them by saying, you need to value your individual gifts and calling. Uh, there are many parts in one body and all uh, are of significance to God, uh, not only in who they are in Christ as, as being saved, but also as being gifted to serve. Uh, the others were saying, some others were saying they were not needed. They were not needed. They needed to correct, correctly value all that gifted them with. They were saying, I don't need you. I have the important gifts. And Paul's correction as well was given. All are to be valued as indispensable. All are greeted to be with equal honor. All with special needs in serving, are to be given special treatment. And uh, that one is very notable and needs further comment, which we don't have time for this morning. There's one other point in verse 31 that uh, I'll just briefly touch on. I've given what the normal, the, the NIV and many other translations says uh, as the transition to 1 Corinthians 13 and following in this topic but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. I, I had a lot of difficulty with understanding how that Sedgway works. Uh, and I, I, at the bottom of the uh, NIV uh, footnotes, it proposes an equally um, uh, possible or, uh, uh, translation and says, but you are eagerly desiring the greater gifts, and now I will show, show you the most excellent way. I think that uh, that is the preferred one by myself, at least, uh, to demonstrate that continues the thoughts of before that they were doing the wrong thing and desiring the greater gifts. Rather, they were they were eagerly desiring the greater gifts in their view. But Paul has set out a great deal about what are the uh, that they are all equal in God's eyes. They are all important to Him. And there may be some priorities uh, being addressed to Corinth where they were upsetting that balance in their practice to come in, in chapter 13 and 14. But he is going to show them that more excellent way. And I leave you that.
for your consideration. The ninth problem is our challenge at BFA this morning. We will, what is the knowledge of the spiritual gifts of the Spirit of God in my and in our life from ignorance to mature? Where are we at along that line of progression of growth? In our understanding, uh, moving from ignorance when we were first saved or when we first learned about these matters uh, to where we are in serving him today. Are we thinking of ourselves with sober judgment of God's placing of us in his body? I think that that's a, a reminded to us from Romans chapter 12 and uh, here again in 1 Corinthians. We need to look at sober with sober judgment on how God has placed us in his body and be open to what he has gifted us, how he has gifted us, and what he would have us do in serving him. Are we appreciating in others their gifting and calling of God without, uh, without preference, without, uh, without uh, special treatment, but only in the way that God would view each one of us as he has called us and placed us and gifted us in his body? And then are we all aligned with the goal of God, being and serving together to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? I leave these uh, application questions to you for your own consideration and would welcome any particular comments you might have on this or other aspects of, of this talk and feel free to write to me or, or, or talk to me and we'll uh, try and deal with them as we uh, see seek clarity from the Lord in where any confusion and may lie. May God bless to us the reading and study of his word and its application by the Spirit to our lives, hearts, witness, and testimony uh, for him. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area. Or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.